Well, Merry Christmas. I'm so glad to celebrate Christmas with all of you this morning and take time and just focus our hearts on Jesus. You know, we're, we're going, as a church, we're going through the book of Luke uh, this coming year. So we've started early during Advent season so that we can uh, share with you the story of Jesus' birth. And so last night we heard from Pastor Will. He talked about uh, the, the birth story and then the visit from the shepherds. And you remember that uh, from last night. And then today, as Luke 2 continues to unfold, what we find is this little verse about when he's eight days old and he's named Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, he's named. And then there's this encounter in the temple with two elderly folks named Simeon and Anna. And then finally, the chapter wraps up with an illustration about how Jesus grew in wisdom and favor and stature. And it talks about him, and this is the only place in the Bible where it is. He's 12 years old, and he's in the temple. And he's there with the teachers of the law for three days because his parents accidentally left him behind. Um, probably Mary thought he was with Joseph, and Joseph thought he was with Mary, and they both left him there in Jerusalem. But Jesus was fine. He was fine. Three days he was there in the temple and he's talking about the scriptures. And we get this understanding that Jesus knew who he was and why he was here. Because when Mary and Joseph come back, they're like, why did you leave us in such distress? And he says, well, you knew I was about my father's business. I had to be here in my father's house. And so we get this very early description of Jesus from his birth, 12 years old, and then the gospel will continue to unfold, talking about his ministry. Well, today, on Christmas Day, the part I'd like to focus in on from Luke chapter 2 begins in verse number 21, and it extends down through verse 35. And it's the story of Jesus being brought to the temple and meeting a man named Simeon. Follow along as I read from verses 21 through 35 of Luke chapter 2. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, 
so that the thoughts of many, hear, of many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, today on Christmas morning, as we take a few moments to reflect on your birth, on who you are, we just pray that our hearts would be warmed and our hearts would be focused. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the older I get, um, I'm just going to be honest with you, the less I anticipate the gifts under the tree, and the more I enjoy the simple comforts of the holiday season. I don't know about you, but the comforts of home and the warmth of family, those are the things that I love most at Christmas time. I, I know there are fancy new fashions and new technology and those kind of things, but I like the simple and the familiar. How about you? How, how about comfort foods? You know, I was shopping yesterday at Harmon's, just grabbing all of my comfort foods. It was, it was fantastic. Comfort foods, comfortable pajamas, a nice couch, a warm fire, even if you have to put it on a flat screen. You know, you can do that now with YouTube. <laughs> my guess is that all of us hope for some sort of comfort at Christmas. But do you realize we're not the first generation to long for comfort? That first Christmas season, there was an old man who was filled with hope. He was hoping for the comfort and the consolation of Israel. That's what we see in verse 25. Take a look at verse 25 again. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. Now, let me explain how this story unfolds. Jesus is born in Bethlehem, some five miles south of Jerusalem. After 40 days, it was time for certain Jewish rituals. Here in the text, this new little family makes their journey up to the temple in Jerusalem. In verse number 22, it says they went to Jerusalem to perform their purification according to the law of Moses. Now, when it says their pur purification according to the law, there were three different components to that. First was a sacrifice that they, they would have made at the Nicanor gate. The second is the redemption of the firstborn son with a gift of five shekels. And the third thing that would have happened there is the consecration of the child. And maybe you remember back when Hannah in the Old Testament, had a son named Samuel, and she consecrated that firstborn son to the Lord. Well, these Jewish rituals of purification were going to be followed. And so Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus at, at 40 days old, he's just, he's just a little over a month old, they enter into uh, the, the temple. Now we get an indication in Luke 2 that Mary and Joseph were poor because they brought only two birds. You see that in verse number 24. Instead of a bird and a lamb, if, if, if you had more money, you would have brought a bird and a lamb. But they didn't have that money, so they, they just brought two birds, and that was allowed for in the Old Testament law. They make the trip, they present their offering, they dedicate their son to the Lord, but, but little did they know that they were going to meet this kind old gentleman there in the temple. This man's name was Simeon, and he was hoping for the comfort and consolation of Israel. 
And that's what I want you to notice first in this text, that what we find here in this little story is that Jesus is the comfort that we've been hoping for this season. Now, I say that because I'm just assuming that you want comfort this season. It's, it's kind of wired into our hearts. We want some sort of consolation. We want some sort of calm. We hope for some sort of rest, some sort of comfort. And what we find in this story is that Jesus is the comfort that we've been hoping for. Here's this old man named Simeon, and he knew something about the trials of life. He knew about the, the aches and the pains of getting old. If you ever watched that Pixar movie, have you ever seen the Pixar movie Up? Have you ever seen that? And there's this, this old guy in the, in the movie. I love this section right at the beginning. He tries to get out of bed. Do you remember this? And he cracks. And then he cracks this way and this way and every joint in his body cracks. And then he gets his walker and then he can start going, you know? And when I picture old Simeon here in this story, I picture a man who knew the aches and the pains of old age. Maybe he didn't sleep well. Maybe his eyesight was poor. Maybe his balance was a little off. Maybe his teeth hurt. He understood the pain associated with age. Here he is. He understood the political turmoil and unrest that some generations have to live through. Because here he was in the capital of the Jews. He's in Jerusalem during Roman occupation. Simeon knew what it was like to be harassed by life. I don't know if you do this, but when I, when I read stories, sometimes I try to picture in my mind's eye, what do they look like? What did Simeon look like? And this is what I picture. I picture a Midwest car. You ever seen, you ever been out to the Midwest? A Midwest car with 300,000 miles, Bondo, duct tape, barely holding together. That's what I picture when I picture Simeon, like rusty and dense. I mean, he's just old and beat down. That's the picture I get when I think about Simeon here. And you're almost wondering, what makes this guy hold on? I mean, how does he get up in the morning another day? And I don't know about you, but maybe you felt that way at times, so worn down by life, so pained, so much turmoil, so harassed. You're like, I don't know if I can hold on another day. What is it that made Simeon hold on another day, even though life was difficult, even though his circumstances were unstable? It was this bedrock hope that he had. He was waiting for something. He was hoping for something. You see that in verse number 25. This man was righteous and devout. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the comfort of Israel. You see, Simeon had this hope that what the prophet Isaiah said some 600, 700 years earlier, he had this hope that that was going to come to fruition in his lifetime. Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 40 said this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her time of distress is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned. She has received from the Lord's hand double pardon or generous grace for all of her sins. Simeon was waiting for that to be fulfilled. Consolation amidst chaos. Grace over top of rebellion. He knew from God's holy word that that would come about. But he also knew from God's holy spirit that it would come about in his lifetime. Now, it's interesting in this text 
that three times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in verses 25 through 27. Do you see him there? There? Look at the end of verse 25. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then he came in the Spirit into the temple. So the Holy Spirit had promised this old man named Simeon that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. Now I almost get this idea, like how many mornings did Simeon wake up and wonder, is this the day? Is it today? You see, I mean, they didn't have on their calendar like the advent calendar counting down December 21st. This is the day. No, it wasn't like that. He had just gotten a promise from the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't taste death until he saw the Lord's Messiah or the Lord's Christ. And so he's waiting and probably each day he wakes up, he's like, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's today. Or birthdays pass, you know, birthday after birthday and he's wondering like, oh, I'm getting older. And, and life is getting harder, but the Spirit told me I wouldn't die until I saw the Messiah. I wonder if it's this year. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Simeon that morning that the Spirit urged him to get to the temple? I mean, he's compelled by the Spirit. It's like there's this deep conviction inside of Simeon, this driving resolve. He's like, I need to get to the temple. And it was the Spirit that was driving him there. This is the day that he had been waiting for. This is what he had been longing and hoping for for so long. And I just wonder if there were just like these tears of joy. Finally, it had come. I wonder if for this old man, there was like this burst of energy that day. Can you picture this old guy like scurrying through the streets, kind of pushing people aside gently, but pushing people aside to get there? I mean, you've never seen an old guy move this fast. I mean, look at him. Look at him go. Because today is the day that he would see the Messiah. Well, Simeon's hope in this text has a name. His name is Jesus, and we see it unfold in verses 27 and 28. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms. This is where his hope was realized. Simeon is holding this little baby and it's as though he's realizing this is the comfort. This is the consolation of Israel that the prophet Isaiah had spoken of. This is the one we've been waiting for. You know, I think it's a, a tragedy these days. And I, I hope your, your heart isn't captivated by these things, but it's a, a tragedy these days where so many people are trying to find consolation. They're trying to find comfort. They're trying to find hope in things other than Christ. People are scurrying this way and that, and they're buying and rushing and wrapping and purchasing and hoping to have something that balms their heart, but they're sadly mistaken. I just want you to think, is there really anything underneath that tree that will give you lasting comfort? Is there really anything that's wrapped with gift wrap that will bring a lasting balm to your soul? No, the consolation we desperately need 
is wrapped in a person. It's Jesus. He's the one we've been hoping for. He's the calm and the balm of our hearts. And so I just wonder, like maybe even today, what that means is amidst all of our gift opening and things like that, maybe we need to spend a little time with Jesus. I mean, spend some quiet time with him. Let him bring comfort to your heart. A while back, I um, was spending some regular time with a friend who was going through a tough patch. And what we would do when we would get together is we would just, uh, we worked through a book together and, and we would just share these different quotes from this book that encouraged our hearts about the goodness of God. The book was called Gentle and Lowly and the book starts this way. Here's the opening page. This book is written for the discouraged, the frustrated, the weary, the disenchanted, the cynical, the empty. It's for those running on fumes, those whose Christian lives feel like constantly running up a descending escalator. And then the author goes on to, to describe, this is how you can find comfort in Jesus. Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. You don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. When Jesus sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. This is the high and holy Christ who does not cringe at reaching out and touching dirty sinners and numbed sufferers. Such embrace is precisely what he loves to do. Do you know what we, we come to realize this season? From this story, or authors like, like Dane Ortland, what we come to realize is that Jesus is the comfort that we've really been hoping for. And not only that, I just want to suggest to you that Jesus is also this Savior. So he's the comforter, but he's also a Savior who we can adore at this time of year. And I think this is important because we sing songs like, oh, come let us adore him. But sometimes our hearts don't feel that. Have you ever arrived at Christmas and you just don't really feel like your heart is warmed to adore him? You're like, okay, we can sing the carols and we can show up at church, but I, I don't know if my heart is really tuned to adore him. What I love about this text, this story of of the baby Jesus being brought to the temple and Simeon there, is there's this chain of events that happen in the text. It starts with promise in verse 26, and then there's hope in verse 25, and then there's fulfillment in verse 27, and then there's, there's praise. It's almost as if Simeon was told by promise, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And so each morning he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. There's hope. And then he arrives at the temple that day, and there he is, and there's this fulfillment. He holds the baby Jesus. And then what happens? Well, while he's holding the baby Jesus, he just erupts in praise. He adores the Christ child. He gathers up this little bundle of, of joy to the world in his arms. He's got this baby that's swaddled in these cloths, and he just begins to praise 
and bless and adore. Look at verse number 28. Verse 28, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. I don't know exactly what this looked like, but I have seen old grandpas hold new babies. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. You, you, you look at the hands of this old man, thin, spotted, wrinkled, worn, weathered. But they're holding this soft, smooth, sleeping baby. And that's the picture I get here. Simeon just takes up the baby Jesus in his arms and he's overwhelmed with adoration. This, this is love covered over in flesh. This is the Christ child. Jesus, Yahweh saves through this little one. The Messiah had come and the deliverer was here. And in verse number 29, this is what he says. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. What is he saying here? He's saying that God's salvation is in Jesus. Jesus is God's powerful salvation to the world. He holds this little baby, and instead of seeing something fragile, fragile and dependent, he sees something powerful and amazing. This is God's salvation for the world. You know, sometimes I think that people mistakenly view Jesus like a server at a restaurant. You know, you're, you're kindly taken in. A party of how many? Okay, here's the booth. And you sit down there and you take the menu and you order some salvation off of the menu. I'd like it medium well, please. And then you order a side of forgiveness and eternal life and all of those things. And you wait for a little bit. And then out comes Jesus, your server, and he comes to the table and he delivers what you've been waiting for. He's got a dish of salvation with forgiveness and eternal life on the side. Sometimes I think that's how we mistakenly view Jesus. My friends, Jesus is not a server who brings you some salvation. Jesus is your salvation. He doesn't serve you up some deliverance. He is your deliverer. That's why this old man holding this baby Jesus, Simeon says, now my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation is Christ. I love how Simeon unpacks the beneficiaries of this salvation from God. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation for the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. In other words, all those in darkness have Jesus as their light. All the peoples of the earth have Jesus as their savior. Simeon is stating with crystal clarity that God's salvation is extending to the ends of the earth through this baby named Jesus and he just adores him. Now, we hear about this and we, we read his, his song of praise and blessing. And some of us are still wondering, I wonder if I'm going to feel that today. I wonder if there'll be any adoration welling up in me. Maybe you're here with an Ebenezer heart or a Scroogeish soul this morning. Maybe you look at this humble Savior and your heart says humbug. My friends, our hearts muster up fresh resistance to Christ's love 
all the time. Love how one author put it. He says, we tend to deflect Christ's assurances. Here this morning in the text you're hearing, he is your salvation. He is your deliverer. But I wonder if there are hearts that are deflecting that. It's almost as if your heart is saying, no, wait. You're cautiously approaching Christ. Oh, Jesus, you don't understand. I've really messed up in all kinds of ways. If that's what your heart is saying, then listen to him. He'd say back to you, I know. Well, you know most of it, sure, and certainly more than all these other people see, but there's rottenness deep down inside me. Jesus would look at you and say, I know it all. But I, but I don't know if I can break free of this anytime soon. Jesus would say, well, you're the kind of person I'm here to help. No, you don't get it, Jesus. My offenses aren't directed towards others. They're directed towards you. And then Jesus would say, then I'm the one most suited to forgive them. But, but, but the more ugliness you discover in me, the sooner you're going to get fed up with me. And Jesus would almost, it's like, has he, have you ever seen a kid grab a parent's cheeks to focus on? It'd be like Jesus grabs your face and says, listen to my heart. Whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. I will not leave you or forsake you. Come to me, all who are weak and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. My friends, when you finally understand that Jesus is your salvation, then you can begin to adore him. He's the comfort you've been hoping for, the Savior you must adore. And the text closes this way. Jesus is this revealer that you can't ignore this season. He reveals hearts, verses 34 and 35. There's this encounter in the temple and it comes to a close with these almost enigmatic words from Simeon. It's a word of blessing and prophecy woven together in verses 34 and 35. Look at, look at the text. It says, behold, and he's saying this to Mary. This is interesting. Simeon says this to Mary. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. For a sign that is opposed. And it's almost like you can imagine him leaning in towards, towards Mary and whispering this. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon is explaining here how Jesus was going to bring deliverance on one hand and justice on the other. He'd, he'd be coming for the rise of believers on the one side and the fall of unbelievers on the other. He was going to be a sign that would be opposed, a figure who would be contested. He was going to be a leader that would ultimately be rejected. And Simeon was prophesying of that. Although Jesus was coming to be the comfort and salvation of the world, not everyone would respond to him positively. His ministry would ultimately result in death. It would bring pain. This is what Simeon whispers to Mary. It's going to bring pain even to your heart. And if you remember how the gospel story unfolds, Mary is standing there at the foot of a cross when Jesus is hanging to die. What Simeon is saying here is that Jesus wasn't just born. He was born to die. He didn't just come in a cradle. He came for a cross. And there would be angry people who would staple him to it. Now, it might be hard for you to fathom on Christmas Day, folks rejecting Jesus, hating him, 
despising him so much that they'd want to murder him and put him on a cross. But the fact is, Jesus makes all of us look bad. Do you realize that? That's why, I mean, in the end, that's why people really can't stand him. He makes them look bad. It's almost as if his life and his ministry and his words expose our hearts for what they really are. It says in verse number 35, the thoughts from many hearts are going to be revealed. Like an old, remember those old film labs where you have the red light and those pans of solution and they'd, they'd be dipped in to expose the photos? So Jesus' life, words, and ministry expose our hearts. And we don't always like what we see because his humility exposes our pride. His generosity magnifies our greed. His patience spotlights our anger. His purity emphasizes our perversions. His kindness accentuates our meanness. And what Simeon is saying in this text is that Jesus' life and ministry would divide people. He'd make their hearts manifest. We'd come to realize that some respond to Jesus with a heart of faith, while others respond to Jesus with a heart of rebellion. The fact is, there's no neutrality when it comes to Christ. You can't identify as Switzerland when it comes to Jesus. You either surrender to him with your life, or you're at war with him. It's almost as if Simeon is saying this. He's holding this little baby Jesus. He's handing him back to his mother. And he's saying, this one, he's going to bring a why in the road for all humanity. He's going to bring people to a point of decision. Because you can't encounter the rescuing hand of the Savior and do nothing. It's as though God, through this baby, is extending his rescuing hand to sinners like you and me. And you can't do nothing. You either grasp it by faith and receive his deliverance or you reject it in proud rebellion and drown for eternity. So when we read this text, we're brought to this closing question and that is, so what will we do with Christ today, Christmas Day? If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart because he's the comforter that you've been hoping for. He's the savior that your heart can be warmed to adore. And he's the one who reveals who we are. We can't ignore that. So look to him today. Because in seeing Jesus, your eyes have seen the Lord's salvation. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a chance to look into your word and think about your son Jesus today, Christmas Day. I pray if there's someone here this morning that needs comfort, that they would find comfort in Jesus. Instead of these vain and empty things that the world offers, that they would find a consolation in Christ. I pray if there's someone here that needs deliverance or, or rescue this morning, that they would find their salvation in Jesus. Your word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Finally, I just... I just pray if there's someone whose heart is exposed this morning. Maybe they've been distant. Maybe they've been walking in the wrong direction. Perhaps today there's hearts that need forgiveness and mercy and grace. Will you help us to look to Jesus?
he is our salvation. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.